Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in the Washed Up Has Been's podcast. It's your host, Alec the Avocado Martinez, joined by my man, Tyler Gibson. Tyler, it's a beautiful Tuesday. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, just uh, recovering from the July 4th weekend. Was out of town at my parents' house. Um, had some stuff to do around the house as soon as I got back, too. So. Crush and bruise, blow some stuff up. Uh, no, no fireworks, but uh, yeah, plenty, plenty of, plenty of brews in my, in my. Uh, I was, I was the other way. I was out there in the country, and and we, uh, we got to see quite a few fireworks. You had like a three hundred and sixty fireworks show going on out there. It was pretty cool. Nice. No brews for me though. I'm, I was brew free, uh, successfully. Third, uh, fourth of July, brew free. So, thank you, Jesus. Uh, we're gonna bring you in here. Uh, we're gonna start out with our mailbag questions today. Tyler and I are gonna do a little this or that. We're going to discuss some guys who we wouldn't take and, in turn, who we would rather take. So we'll look at this guy and say, why not skip him and take that guy? But before we get there, we got three questions. They All three came from a man, Bobby, from right here in Midlothian, Texas. Bobby, normally we take one question per person, but Bobby hit us with three good ones that we like, so we're going to go with all three. His first question, is Le'Veon Bell worth a second-round pick, or is he worth more of a fourth, or is he more of a fourth-rounder or later? Well, good news for Bobby is uh, the combined eight, combined ADPs that we're using for this. Uh, he's actually a fourth round pick, so uh, on average, you're going to get him in the fourth round. And uh, if I can have Le'Veon Bell as my RB two, then I'm feeling really good about that. Or maybe even uh, RB three slash flex if I happen to go running back heavy early on. So uh, I wouldn't pull the trigger on him in the second round, no. Um, but I wouldn't mind getting my hands on him later. Yeah, see, I <clears throat> you don't have to draft Le'Veon Bell in the second round, and I think that you would be doing yourself a disservice if you did. But if you look at the running backs going around the time that Le'Veon Bell is going, there's no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't want any, any of them more than I want Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell last year finished eighth in opportunity costs and then finished 17th Overall, So it means there was a, a nine-slot difference in where he could have finished and probably should have finished based on opportunity and where he actually finished. And so for me, I look at, at guys like James Conner in that area, Mark Ingram's going right before, David Johnson, Devin Singletary, Todd Gurley, David Montgomery, guys we're going to talk about a little bit. And besides David Montgomery, Le'Veon Bell's the only one who I see with you know, there's, there's not a lot of injury risk with Le'Veon Bell. He's going to have a ton of opportunities in the Jets' offense. He, he might lead the team in receptions. Well, they, as a team, they had the um, lowest yards per attempt on uh, rushing last season. Uh, I think that's definitely going to go up. They got some offensive line help. But we got to remember that Sam Donald was missing for half their season. Right. So, you know, they're, they're going to be able to get a little bit more going, even if, you know, they don't completely turn the team around. I mean, which, which is only good for Le'Veon Bell. Right. So well, I guess my argument would be you do not need to take him in the second round. You may take him late in your third, maybe even mid-third if you really don't like anything on the board. I wouldn't be mad at you with that. But if you can get him in the fourth, fourth round, I think you're getting a second-round value. You're getting a potential top-12 RB1 uh, running back. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is still incredibly talented. <laughs> well, I don't think he lost his talent because he sat out a year. Well, one guy I don't I don't think we're going to talk about him today, but you know guys like uh, Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards-Helaire are being drafted more towards their ceiling 
Um, so when you when you have which to is spend, the case with rookies. I mean, we yeah. get that that kind of when when you have to spend the second round pick or third round pick on some of these guys, early third. Um, you know, they have to turn in basically an RB one season for you to get the value back. For Le'Veon Bell, you know he's going to be your RB two most likely, and he's gonna he's gonna be a top twenty four running back all day. So there's not a lot of risk there, and the ceiling is obviously RB one. Yeah, I I think that that getting Le'Veon Bell in the fourth round, you got yourself a steal. So. Don't need to take him in the second round, but he's definitely worth a second round pick. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, his second question. Now that Cam Newton is quarterback and prefers the short pass, is Edelman an early pick? Um, I guess it would depend on how you define early. I'm not going to be looking for him in like the first four rounds. But I think where his uh, – do we have his ADP? Yeah, his, his ADP. I'm looking it up right now. Sorry. Um his ADP is 82. He's the 35th wide receiver going off the board. <laughs> I mean, I think at that – Behind Tyler Boyd, Brandon Cooks, at that, at that value, there's no chance he doesn't exceed that ADP. So that's a really safe – I mean, that you're talking about bench depth at that point for a guy that's going to be startable pretty much week in and week out, um, we assume. Yeah, Julian Edelman finished last year second in the league in, in opportunity cost – just behind Michael Thomas, he was second in the league in red zone targets. I actually expect him to de- to regress from last season, but still finish very you know within the top. I think top thirty, uh, possibly top twenty four, depending on. But I, I don't know about this. I don't know necessarily the argument that Cam Newton is a much better short yardage passer. I think he did. Do a good job of throwing the ball to Christian McCaffrey, but you did. If you look, he did really well with guys like Devin Funches. I mean, Devin Funches only good years in his career with Cam, and Cam does like to throw to that big uh, target. And and it's maybe some of that might be to do with his accuracy. Julian Edelman's not going to have the same accurate quarterback throwing in the ball that he that he had in Tom Brady. But at the same time, the other the other thing that will affect that short yardage. A uh, game, passing game, is going to be how often Cam Newton runs, and and that's up for debate right now. Some people think he'll run a lot. I think personally, he's going to run a lot. I think that he'll have 120 to 150 carries next year, because I think that a Cam Newton wants to prove something, and b Bill Belichick isn't really worried about how, holding up Cam Newton's health because he's got him on a one-year incentive lad. He's not coming back next year. If he does well, they're not going to be able to afford him. And if he does poorly, they don't want him back. So I think they're going to do whatever it is, it, whatever it takes to get the most out of Cam Newton. And that's going to be using his legs, which I think in turn will take away from Julian Edelman. So do I think he should go early? No. Do I think he should be going well above where he's going now? Absolutely. I would take him over a bunch of the guys in front of him. But I, I think you're getting a steal if you get him where his current ADP is. But I, I wouldn't go too far ahead of, of where he's at. Next question is about uh, Edelman's best friend, old best friend anyway, with all the past targets in Tampa, who is most likely to be Brady's favorite? Man, well, I'll let you go ahead and uh, dive into this one first. I know that you've probably got some uh, some information on Godwin. or Well, I, I mean, I'm just going to present the exact stats I just presented to you, and that's Julian Edelman's opportunity costs, Julian Edelman's usage in the slot, Julian Edelman's usage in the red zone – that's where Chris Godwin is. 
the slot receivers historically in Tom Brady's offense have succeeded because he loves he uses the slot utilizes the slot really well. Okay, Chris Godwin's a good route runner. He's explosive. That being said, he does have the history with Gronk, and he does have years of good uh, good chemistry with Gronk. I still think I, my answer is Chris Godwin, but I think Gronk is a, in the argument. Uh, but I think Chris Godwin will easily be his favorite target. I think I agree. I think by no means is this going to be an offense that runs through Gronkowski or the tight ends necessarily. Um, Bruce Arians' offense never is. Right. Um, Well, just, you know, regardless of Brady's preference or connection with Gronk. So I think that's just going to be hard to have him lead the team in targets, whether he can stay healthy or not. Um, So I I think I agree that it's going to be Godwin. And, um, you know, that's that's the way that the drafts are going. Godwin's going to be the first – receiver from that group off the board. I, I so. honestly I stand by that I think that if not Michael Thomas, it'll be Chris Godwin will be the wide receiver one this year. And and honestly I think that even with Michael Thomas succeeding that Chris Godwin could beat him. If you look at Julian Edelman from last year and you apply that to Chris Godwin, which is completely within the realm of possibility, I see no reason why Chris Godwin can't finish as the wide receiver one this year. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen Godwin have a really successful year in Bruce Arians' offense. So now you just couple him with a guy that loves the routes that he runs and it's still Bruce Arians' offense, then, you know, it points to good things. That'll wrap up our mailbag section for the day. Thanks, Bobby, for giving us those questions. Before we move into the this or that segment, uh, big news in the NFL Patrick Mahomes signs a 10 year, $503 million deal. Yep. 477 in guaranteed mechanisms and whatever. But not uh, not tied to the uh, – was it not tied to the salary not cap? Not tied to the salary cap like some would have thought when it first came out that it was 10 years because that is a long time. Um, that's a great deal for the Chiefs. I respect Mahomes. I mean, uh, let's not act like he didn't get any money. Right. There. I mean, he but, got paid. I, I'll, but, I'll be fine with $503 million. But, I don't care you know, if it's now being, or 10 years from now. You know, being a Cowboys fan and just, you know, looking at Dak and looking at Mahomes, you know, tweet out like, hey, I'm here to stay. We're chasing a dynasty. Seems like Mahomes really worried about this legacy. He's trying to get things done, and we're over here squabbling with Dak. So just in comparison, I like the deal all around. It's Half a billion dollars, so I don't feel bad for Mahomes. And it mimics, toward the end of, the, of his career, it's going to mimic Tom Brady's, uh, where he wasn't taking the maximum amount that he could take so that his team could build around him. And I respect that. I think I, that it's I, a great way to go about doing business in the NFL because when you look at the merchandising, everything, I mean, because one thing, honestly, I mean, whenever I'm looking at buying a jersey or something, you know, I've considered buying a Zeke jersey or this or that, you know, but it's like, Man, do I really want a jersey of a guy who's going to be gone in a few right. years? You know, right. so it's like, that's probably why you know that's why Witten has been such a popular Cowboys jersey because like he's a cowboy now. Stupid idiots, the Raiders. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, just knowing that you've got your quarterback locked up, I, I don't, I don't know that you can really put a price on the value of that. So it, it could have been, it could have been even more. It could have been a ten-year, seven hundred fifty million dollar deal, and I would have probably been like, man. Kudos to them for locking up the best player in football. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a great deal for both sides. Because uh, I think it's going to do more for Mahomes' legacy than it is 
Because in, in the latter years, when his talent starts to fade a little, I don't think he's going to drop off. But he'll probably fall out of the top three QB range at some point in his career. And when he does, he'll be surrounded with talented players because they won't be spending as much on him as other quarterbacks in the market. And he'll still have his money. Uh, big question, Tyler. If you were given a five – and I don't want the boring dad answer. But if you guys signed the contract that Patrick Mahomes did, what would be the first thing you'd go buy? <laughs> Patrick Mahomes jersey in my in my current life if I just somehow got a 500 million dollar yeah. contract if your boss over at Blaze <laughs> gave you a 500 million dollar contract what would you what would be the first thing you'd buy I'd go buy the driving range off of 67 <laughs> over here and start working on developing that add some mini golf in uh, make it a, just make a, a top little, make it a top golf well it'd be a it'd be a poor man's top golf you could um, do the I'd backside be a very, i'd be a very rich man but i would make it a poor man's top golf the so. backside could be mini i could see the backside uh, could yeah, be mini golf yeah, behind the front it, side, yeah. Uh, so i'd church up the driving range there i'd uh, probably add a little venue they they built that uh shed you know little convention center type tiny little thing out there i mean i'd Obviously, turn that into a little event center, and you know, I'd I'd, I'd trick it up, and that's that's. I would I would I would buy everything we need to upgrade our podcast equipment. Oh, so you're setting me up for? <laughs> I'm just selfish. kidding. I, I would actually I actually was thinking about this. I think I would probably buy a yacht. I really want a yacht. Where would you put it? Uh, probably like Lake Whitney. Oh, okay. maybe so, maybe Joe Pool Lake. So not a very big yacht. <laughs> no, I was saying because Jerry Jones's yacht can't fit in uh, can't fit in the uh, lakes around here. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think Jerry Jones's yacht would. I would probably if to get, Jer- to get Jerry Jones's yacht. I'd have to spend the whole thing. So, all right, moving on. We're going to get to our this or that again. Or uh, what we're doing here is we're going to look at this guy and we're going to see who we'd rather have. Uh, we'll say we'll look at him and say we'd rather have that guy. I'm going to go with. I'm going to let Tyler go first. He's got our earliest contestant. So Tyler, hit us with your your first guy. All right. So first off, our parameters here are a 12 team half PPR redraft league um so just your standard roster quarterback two running backs two receivers a tight end and a flex uh so that being said i I do typically like to go running back early here in these drafts especially if i've got an early pick but this guy is falling right around the seventh pick and that is derrick henry so when i'm right there and you've missed out on the mccaffrey the saquon the zeke even the camara the dalvin cook um, you know, we're talking half PPR. Derrick Henry's not really a guy that offers much in terms of receptions. So I think that I would rather go for a guy like Joe Mixon there if I didn't just go ahead and lean towards a receiver if one of the uh, bigger names uh, was still available there. Yeah, only only 18 receptions last year for Derrick Henry. He did score twice. One of those was that really long yeah. screen pass that he had. But, I mean, the guy had 303 carries for 1,500 <clears throat> yards and 16 touchdowns. I find it unlikely that he'll repeat that for a couple of reasons. One being Ryan Tannehill. I think that that offense is going to trust, and, and we've talked about this a couple podcasts ago in talking about Tannehill and AJ Brown. But I think they're going to trust their quarterback a bit more and throw the ball some. Uh, and I don't think they're going to be leading as often as they were uh, early in the season and midway through the season last year, where they depended on Derrick Henry a lot. So again, Ryan Tannehill, I think, will be a big reason. The other thing about Derrick Henry that I in that role, I mean, Derrick Henry is a bruising back that depends on just work on the ground. And that's not the guy I want at pick seven. That's the guy I want at pick 12 or 16, and I can get Nick Chubb where Nick Chubb's going. And Nick Chubb is Derrick Henry with less touchdowns. 
Yeah. They, they had the, a, a nearly identical stat line. The only difference was Derrick Henry found the end zone more. But Nick Chubb had more red zone carries. He just didn't score as much. That offensive line has improved. So if it's me, the way I see it, if you're taking Nick Chubb at se- or Derrick Henry at seven, odds are on the turn, Nick Chubb might still be there for you. He's going um, in, in current ADP. Again, we're using, uh, I guess his ADP right now is 12. So you might not be able to get both of them. But uh, I, I would personally be, would be more interested in Nick Chubb. I think that if anything's going to happen, Nick Chubb will see positive regression in his touchdowns, and Derrick Henry will see negative regression. Nick Chubb's a little bit younger, uh, an offense that probably will be more dependent on the run than the Titans will be, uh, depending on how you view Tannehill and Mayfield. But personally, I think it's going to be harder to stack the box against Nick Chubb. You know, it's just I, I just uh, I would rather have Nick Chubb a little bit later, and in that particular spot, I'd probably go Josh Jacobs over Derrick Henry in a half PPR. Yeah, I mean the first round is as high of a price as you can pay for whatever player you're drafting, and you don't want a guy who has pretty much no potential of receptions in a half PPR league. So who would you take over? I, I'd take Joe Mixon over him, who's going two picks later at ADP nine. Yeah, Joe Mixon at a, a really good opportunity cost last year, and really just. That offense in, in general last year never got going, but it has a lot I mean, of talent. Mixon's around. been able to put together solid, you know, overall seasons for fantasy in just a really not great situation. And this is, you know, tides are starting to turn and thinking he can put it together. Yeah, I agree. Uh, quick question. Who would you take, Joe Mixon or, or Josh Jacobs? Joe Mixon or Josh Jacobs? I think I'd still take Joe Mixon. Um, I I think you're going to have to take Joe Mixon in the first round. Um, Josh Jacobs is a guy that you can get in the second round. So actually, I mean, theirs is more of a, since Joe Mixon might be a later first-round guy, you could actually realistically see yourself maybe getting Mixon and Jacobs, and that would be I'd really be, I'd be, I'd I'd be, be really, really, ideal. really happy with that late in the draft. All right, I'm going to go with my, my first choice. It is going to be... 26th overall, ninth wide receiver off the board. I love the guy, but Amari Cooper, I just can't see myself taking Amari Cooper there for a couple of reasons. The two big ones for me, he was 21st in the in the league in targets per game and 74th in the league in red zone targets. I know that he missed some time, but even then, 74th is territory for guys that, that you know wide receiver threes you know tight end twos that that's where those guys are, are ranking in red zone targets he had a lot of big games last year but he also had a lot of games where he just didn't show up and again i know the injury but if you look at this team and the way that it's built michael gallup they drafted cd lamb blake i jarwin yeah okay <laughs> blake jarwin Ezekiel elliott tony pollard there are a lot of weapons and he was already 21st in targets per game, and I can't see that going up. I think he was at 8.6, I believe is what he was averaging. I can't see him getting more than 8. And quite frankly, I can't see him averaging more than ah, 6 to 7. Does that mean he won't have gains where he'll have 12, you know, 12 targets or 13 targets? Sure. But I think overall on the season, we're going to see – it's going to be hard to look at the Cowboys wide receiver core – and know who's going to be the guy for that game. Uh, Michael Gallup will have his days. I think CeeDee Lamb will have one or two games in the season where he has you know 100-plus yards on 10 catches and looks amazing because he is, because he went to Oklahoma. But I just can't see myself taking 
Amari Cooper that early when I just don't see him being able to even come close to his floor from last year? Um, yeah, I know you brought up the injury. Um, there was also, you know, some rumblings of a little bit of, uh, you know, butting heads uh, between him and maybe the wide receivers coach, uh, you know, why he was just mysteriously off the field in some critical situations. I think, uh, you know, some of that settles down. Um, I don't know that I see his targets dropping off um, as we've talked about the vacated targets um, that are going to be there for this year. Um, I, I don't think that his opportunities drop off, and I think that we should see him on the field in more situations than we did last year. So I, I don't know that I'm specifically not buying him here, um, but you could convince me to take Allen Robinson over him, uh, just given the lack of competition for Allen Robinson. Yeah, I think if you look at the opportunity cost, too, for, for Amari Cooper last year, he's finished 14, point, 15, 14 spots higher than he was projected, which is one of the highest in the league. So I, I, don't, I think the nine spot is a fluke. I think – uh, t- top 24 receiver, sure. Top 10, no. I would rather uh, take A.J. Brown or Cooper Cup, who are going behind him at, at 28 and 29, mm-hmm. or 29 and 30, excuse, excuse me. Uh, I would rather have either one of them than Amari Cooper at, at wide receiver 9. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to toss it over to you for this one, Tyler. Yeah, I'll go ahead and uh, give you my next one, which is the tight end four off the board. It is... Zach Ertz, um, a guy that is well-known in the fantasy football community, um, a guy that had taken years of being a breakout candidate, finally putting it together. Um, the Eagles have drafted Dallas Goddard. You know, I, I think, though, that we're seeing the tail end of Zach Ertz's uh, elite-level production. Um, I think that him and Goddard are going to finish pretty close together. Now he he's still going to be he's still going to be a productive tight end, but going at 38 overall, I I'm not touching him and he's going just one pick after Mark Andrews. If you could get your hands on Mark Andrews there, that's fine, but if you're not going to get Kelsey Kittle or Andrews, then I'm staying away from tight ends until some of the later guys. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about that in a second, but I agree. I I can't see myself uh, Zach Ertz, you, you look at the additions in the Eagles offense. Jalen Rager, Sean Jackson comes back. Sure, Alshon Jeffrey will be gone for a little while, but I think Goddard has kind of emerged as the better red zone target than Zach Ertz, and, 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 and rightfully so. I think Goddard is an absolutely amazing talent. I don't see why the Eagles won't move on from Ertz as soon as possible. Well, you've got Miles Sanders getting some receiving work. You're going to have – the Eagles – are going to be more healthy this year. They had terrible luck last year in terms of health, and that's whenever we saw Zach Ertz uptick in his production was whenever everybody was hurt. Um, so I think that we're going to see him, you know, take a step back this year. Him and Goddard are going to finish closer than a lot of people might think. And, yeah, uh, and I think in that range at, at you, you said thirty eight overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I'm looking at says thirty six. But either well, way, I mean, right there by him are guys like. Allen Robinson, who you just mentioned, Le'Veon Bell, who we discussed earlier, 
depending on you how you feel about DK Metcalf or Mark Ingram, James Conner, T.Y. Hilton, guys, in my opinion, are going to be way more valuable for your team than Zach Ertz. And this is a this is a regular roster. Uh, it's not a tight end premium, anything yeah. like that. So I mean, even in know, a tight end premium, I don't think Ertz is the one. I, I think yeah. that that Kittle and Kelsey and, and Andrew, sure, you draft in the second or third round of a tight end premium. Uh, I would argue you could draft Kittle in the first, yeah. probably Kettle, Kelsey in the first two of a tight end premium, but. Even in a tight end premium, I'd rather have all of those guys that maybe DK Metcalf over Zach Ertz. I, I think yeah. um, you know DK Metcalf is a guy we might talk about in a second. But uh, I do want to say you know, before we move on to the next guy, did you have a guy in particular you would take over Zach Ertz right there? Um, well, I was my my suggestion was just going to be if Andrews is gone, which based off of this he would be if you were at pick thirty eight. Andrews just went off the pick before you or whatever. I. I'm not going to take a tight end there, but yeah, I would take any number of other okay. uh, positions right there. Okay. Uh, I do want to just stop for a second and, and say that it's easy to look at some of these names and say like, oh, I'm not going to draft those guys. I, I highly recommend you do your own research on some of these guys you're instantly opposed to. And I'll give you an example because you know, as I was doing my research, I, I went into this thinking Keenan Allen is on my list. Uh, Keenan Allen is a guy that I won't draft, and you know at his ADP, he's going 37th overall in my the thing that I have, and and he's wide receiver 14. And then I started doing my research on Keenan Allen, and I realized that maybe I was wrong. You know, when, and this is the since the offensive coordinator change in San Diego, these were the target numbers for Keenan Allen. That's four, ten, twelve, six, six, ten, ten, ten. If my receiver, you know, my wide receiver two, possibly wide receiver one, but, you know, probably wide receiver two is getting those kind of numbers, my team's going to be pretty, pretty solid at wide receiver. Uh, so I, I, I highly recommend you do your own research because you're going to realize that some of these guys who you were in your mind are opposed to, another one that, that comes to mind is Leonard Fournette. These guys who you're just, it's like, oh, I, I wouldn't draft that guy at his position. Then you do the research and you realize, I, maybe I would. I, I would. And Keenan Allen for me just stood out. Like I, I could see myself after doing the research saying, "Yeah, I'd take Keenan Allen in the third round, late early fourth, if if you know, if it were, you know, if it were between Calvin Ridley and Keenan Allen, I'd probably take Keenan Allen. Mm, um, I'd take Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I, I'm not as high on Calvin Ridley as everybody else. I still would take him. I still think he's the the upside is there, but I like Keenan Allen's floor. Uh, my wide receiver too. I typically like to have a guy with a, a little bit higher floor. Yeah, than, I, I'm not comfortable with Keenan Allen as my wide receiver one this year, but I think you can get him safely as your wide receiver two while having addressed. I'll, I'll say position. this: if Calvin, if it's between Calvin Ridley and Keenan Allen for my wide receiver one, I'd go Calvin Ridley because the upside, the ceiling is so much higher. Yeah. So uh, moving on, I'm going to go into I'm going to go into one that I think me and Tyler agree on. Uh, Tyler, you've got a number three on your list. I got a number three on my list. At 47th overall, uh, 22nd running back off the board is Devin Singletary. And I do not understand this at all. I don't know if you do, uh, but it's it, I don't know where people are gathering that Devin Singletary is going to improve drastically from last season. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take this one for a second. But Well, we we saw um, in our uh, Keeper League, in the Washington Pasman's Keeper League last year, uh, 
a gung-ho Devin Singletary person, a guy who may, may or may not be from around uh, Rochester, maybe have a little bit of Bill's love. But uh, he took Devin Singletary in the third round, I think it was, and uh, that definitely ended up hurting his team having to wait on him for so long. But we did see Devin Singletary be highly efficient later in the year. Um, I He's a guy that I would have probably been looking at this year had they not drafted Zach Moss because we saw Frank Gore get out of there and thought, all right, this is it. Three down workhorse for Devin Singletary's potential thing. And they brought in Zach Moss. Obviously, he's going to take over the Frank Gore role. Uh, it's just going to be really hard for him to be better. Like this, this is wide res- I mean, running back 22, you know, being a RB2 is his ceiling, really. I, I don't even I mean, I, I honestly don't think that's his ce- I don't see. I don't see a way that he ends up there. I guess he would have to have a Tariq Cohen. 2018 season or a James White 2019 season to end up that high. He he's going to have to catch 70 to 90 passes. And I just don't think he will. Josh Allen, I don't think he's going to give his running back the opportunity to catch 70 to 90 passes because he's not going to be the leading rusher. Zach Moss will lead the team in rushes and I'm willing to put any kind of wager on it that Zach Moss will easily lead that team in rushes. I think overall I think we'd agree that we have a little bit of tempered expectation for the Bills' offense as a whole. Because I know that we're probably going to talk about Diggs. We're talking about Devin Singletary. Josh Allen's probably a guy that I'm not going to be looking at to get. Whatever his ADP is, it's probably a little earlier. If I didn't get, you know, if I didn't go elite-level quarterback in terms of Lamar, Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Dak, Deshaun Watson. I'm probably waiting on a guy like Matt Ryan um, before I'm drafting Josh Allen. Um, so, you know, I, I think that is a whole – the Bills' offense as a whole are guys that I wouldn't mind having, but at their ADPs mostly, other than Zach Moss probably, uh, I'm not going to be getting. Right, and that, that leads me to who I would, you know, who I would take, and that is Zach Moss. I would rather wait 11 rounds later <laughs> – at the 153rd overall pick and the 48th running back off the board to take Zach Moss. I mean, Zach Moss should have no less than 160 carries. That's his floor, in my opinion. Last year, Frank Gore had 166. Frank Gore also couldn't find any rushing room. 160 carries at the league average of 4.3 yards per carry, and the Bills average 4.4 as a team, would come out to 688 yards. Look at probably about 20 receptions for Zach Moss. And and that guy's probably going to have over 700 to close to 800 total yards. Then you look at the red zone usage. Devin Singletary is not going to be used in the red zone. He's tiny. He's like 5'7", 207 pounds, something like that. Zach Moss, a good-sized guy. Brent Gore got 25 carries inside the 20, which ranked in the top five, 18 inside the top inside the 10, and 11 inside the five. But he only scored two touchdowns. That's why Frank Gore didn't have better numbers than he did. I think Zach Moss could easily turn that two into five, six. If he has six or seven touchdowns and seven to eight hundred total yards, that's better than what Devin Singletary will end the year with. Could be. I definitely agree with you. Or at least I, close to. I'll at definitely, least definitely agree with you that they're going to be way closer than what their ADP gap is to each other. So when it, whenever that's the situation, you'd rather take and capitalize on the value later. Currently going in the 15th round. I, I have personally taken Zach Moss in every, I believe, every single mock draft I've done. I've taken, except the Dynasty draft, he went a little bit earlier than I was able to get to him. But 
Every redraft, mock draft that I've done, I have gotten Zach Moss in about round 11, and I feel completely comfortable with that because I still think even four rounds higher than his ADP, he's still going to outplay that ADP. He's still going – I think he will finish around round seven, round – you know, worth a pick in round six or seven, yeah. and he's getting drafted essentially almost undrafted. Yeah. So I, I think Zach Moss to me is – Zach Moss I would probably go with is one of my guys this year uh, that I think will finish – Way way better than anybody thinks. He was he was amazing at Utah as well. I mean, he was incredible in college. This isn't. I mean, honestly, he was, I think he was probably better. I'm not going to say. Yeah, that. PFF had him really highly. Yeah, he, I think he was the number one yeah. uh, prospect coming in. Yeah, and and I personally would probably take him over Jonathan Taylor, but that's an argument for another day. Well, I mean, value wise, once again, right? That's, yeah, that's again, what we're talking then, yeah. Um, Tyler, uh, we'll go ahead and let you take the next one. <laughs> yeah, um, I got. Mine here is sitting – oh, well, actually, for Devin Singletary, we're talking a guy that's going two spots behind him that I would rather have is David Johnson. I know that, I know that you were talking about just waiting in general, but a guy right there near that ADP that I'd rather have is David Johnson. Um, I, another guy that's going around there is James Conner. Luckily, I traded away James Conner last year right before he got – his injuries towards the end of the year, but he's a guy that's always injured. I wouldn't be looking there. I'd be looking at DJ and I know he's had his injuries, but I just think that with, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins gone, you know, kind of question marks the offense as a whole. I think that, you know, we could see David Johnson getting plenty of receiving work, even though they've got Duke Johnson there. I think that Bill O'Brien, uh, he's going to want to prove himself right. Uh, he's not going to just not use David Johnson. So if David Johnson can be healthy and we saw him still be an RB one, the past two seasons, well, obviously, while he was being used last season, he was he was an RB1, um, even though inefficient. Uh, and then in the worst offense in football two years ago, he was an RB1 still. So give him volume in a more efficient offense. Uh, I, I think that he has a pretty good ceiling. I, I Personally, in the fourth round, I'm looking at this slew of wide receivers that are going right there. Uh, there's – a ton right there between ADP 45 and 52 that I'm Well, hey, ADP 49 of. is round five for, uh, okay. for DJ. You're right. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, right there, yes. But if we're talking single, you know, looking at a running back there, Singletary, I'd no, rather no, have David that, Johnson. That, that wouldn't be round five, 12 team. I know you went to Temple. Y'all, oh. y'all don't do real math real well there, but – He's doing, for those of you who can't see, he's counting on his fingers right now. 12, 24, 36, 36, 48, 49 is is the beginning of the fifth round. Just kidding. That's why I was like, wait, what? Uh, It's UTBB schooling, that's what it is. (laughs) All right, I'm uh, going to move on to my next one, the the Weech. uh, Or I'm sorry, no, Tyler, it's still you. You just uh, just piggybacking on Devin Singletary. Stephon Diggs is one that I know that we both probably uh, wanted to talk about. His ADP is... Right around 55 right now. And guys that are going after him, Robert Woods, DJ Chark, Devonta Parker, all three guys that I would rather have. Uh, Stephon Diggs was able to weasel his way out of a high-volume rushing attack, and uh, he got himself into another high-volume rushing attack with probably a lower ceiling. So it's just – you know, and, and, of course, his ADP does reflect that. But given that – Robert Woods, a guy that a ton of people are high on, is going after him. I mean, I, I'd, if I found myself waiting on receiver 
and I ended up with Robert Woods as my wide receiver one, I honestly wouldn't even be uncomfortable. So that's that's how I feel about Robert Woods. Uh, DJ Chark, I'd rather have as a wide receiver two. Parker, probably rather have as a wide receiver two. Stephon Diggs, I'd take him as a flex type guy, but not over any of those guys. Stephon Diggs finished the year last year as the 21st ranked wide receiver. His opportunity costs had him ranked as the 38th wide receiver in fantasy football. That 17 rank difference is the highest in the top 40 opportunity costs in the NFL last year. And that was in an offense, in my opinion, that was a better passing offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easily a better passing offense. So I I don't see any reason that Stefan Diggs could finish. What is he? What what, what wide receiver number is he going right now? Uh, I don't know. I just had his ADP. Currently, he's he's, uh, going as wide receiver 23. So that's two spots behind where he finished last year. And I don't think there's any chance he gets close to that. I don't think it's possible in the Bills' passing offense. Again, I, I, I think two rounds later, I'd take Stefan Diggs and feel good about it. But I don't like him. And that goes against my rule a little bit because I, I typically like to take guys who are wide receiver ones on their team. But I still think looking at, at the other options, DJ Chark fits that mold, obviously. Uh, but Robert Woods is is the big one to me that he doesn't fit my mold. I don't know. Is Robert Woods wide receiver one there? Or is it Kirk Cup? I don't, I don't know. Well, Cup gets the red zone usage, yeah. but we're, we're talking about – Overall target uh, but, share. But, but think about his, his, snap, his snap percentage. Okay. Yeah. He, was on the, he never came off the field, and Co- Cooper Cup did, um, just because they'll go into those uh, you know, two tight end sets, and uh, Robert Woods is just a guy that never leaves the field. Probably so. the most undervalued player in he's, fantasy he's, football right he, now. One of them. Beat, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've heard people talk about this nonstop. I mean – he outperforms his ADP every year for yeah. the past however many years. It's and I been. think, and he will do it again this year. I, I have a hard time seeing him finish below <laughs> wide receiver twenty four. Yeah, especially if Diggs is wide receiver twenty three. So there's right. one guy who's going to end up behind him. All right, uh, my next guy is going. We're going to move a little bit later into the draft at pick one hundred and one. James White is going. James White's the 39th overall running back off the board in immediate range to James White is Marvin Jones and J.K. Dobbins, both of whom I would rather have. Marvin Jones, to me, is a safer pick with a a good ceiling, and J.K. Dobbins has a much higher ceiling. And at that point in the draft, I probably would rather have the ceiling of J.K. Dobbins than the floor of James White. I think White's floor is probably a little bit higher than J.K. Dobbins, but I would rather have have the floor of White. But that's not the point I wanted to make. Again, this kind of goes along with the Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Zach Ertz argument that I've made, and that's that with some of these guys, you can just wait and either get a better person in the same system. You can wait and get a a similar person at the same position uh, later in the draft, and that for me is what I would do with James White. If I want a guy like James White who's going to see a lot of targets, who has a high floor because of that target share, I want Tariq Cohen. If you look at last year's stats, Tariq Cohen's going 124th overall. So two rounds, almost two rounds after James White. He's the 46th running back off the board. So seven running backs back. Last year, James White finished the year with 95 targets, 72 receptions, 645 yards, and five touchdowns through the air, and 67 carries for 263 yards and one touchdown on the ground. Tariq Cohen had 79 receptions for 456 yards, three touchdowns, and then 64 carries, 213 yards on the ground, and no touchdowns. 
the, the, the biggest thing for, for Tariq Cohen was his yards per catch. In 2018, he averaged 10.2 yards per catch. For his career, he's a 7.6 yards per catch. He finished last season at 5.8. I, I, I see that positively regressing for Tariq Cohen. Um, his career average in yards per, rush yards per game is 21.4. Last year, he lost 20 carries. I think he'll get those back. I still expect David Montgomery to take the you know majority of those carries, but he'll get the 20-plus carries. He'll get up to the 88 to 90 range. Um, but he was a, going into last season, or after last season, he's averaging 21 yards, rush yards per game, 32 passing yards per game, receiving yards per game. James White's averaging 14 rushing yards per game and 36 receiving yards per game for his career. And so these guys are, I mean, they're identical. The difference is that last year, Tariq Cohen had a rough year. He didn't have as many flashy plays. He didn't, you know, he wasn't set up, and, and a lot of that can be the Bears had a rough year, except overall. for Allen Robinson. Yeah, and I think I think overall we can expect. I know I expect the the Bears offense to take a step forward. Does that mean I think they're going to be an amazing offense? No, but they will be better, and I think Tariq Cohen will be one of the major benefits from that. I think we'll see his his touchdown numbers get back into the six or seven range, which is great for him. And so me personally, if I'm looking at James, staring down James White in the 10th round, and I've got guys like Marvin Jones and J.K. Dobbins in there, if I don't have a tight end yet, and i got guys like, uh, I don't want to say Mike Jasicki, um, but if I had a guy like maybe Jared Cook, uh, I'd probably be looking more at Rob Gronkowski around that time. I'm, I'm going to take one of those other positions, Noah Fant, I'm going to take him at that, at that spot, wait two rounds, and get to recode. And that, that's me personally. Yeah, at that point in the draft, um, you know, that's where I definitely start throwing more darts than uh, looking for floors. So James White might have a pretty decent floor. I mean, especially when you bring up a guy like J.K. Dobbins. I mean, his floor is non-existent for the first foreseeable part of the season because you expect them to still use Mark Ingram, and there's really no guarantee that J.K. Dobbins even gets, you know, the majority of the workload at any point in the season. But, you know, I'd rather, in the off chance that he does, go ahead and have him on my bench than James White. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Our last one is going to be – it's going to be a double double take here. It's something that we both kind of agree on. It's two guys that are going in the middle of the draft, 54th overall Darren Waller, 65th overall Hunter Henry, tight ends four and five. And, and we both agree that neither one of them should be drafted in this range. It's it's not that they aren't talented, but I think Hunter Henry. I'll I'll let Tyler speak to Hunter Henry because I've got quite a bit on Darren Waller. But but Tyler, your your thoughts on Hunter Henry? Um, obviously, we know that. Uh, I mean, he's highly talented. Um, he's a guy that has struggled with injuries in his past, but unfortunately, um, last year Philip Rivers had a down year, and now Philip Rivers is gone, and Philip Rivers is what was really booing everybody's value there in terms of, you know, the dump-offs to Eckler, um, just peppering uh, Keenan Allen with targets, you know, the red zone usage of Hunter Henry, the deep threat of uh, Mike Williams. I mean, there's a ton of question marks there right now. So for him to pretty much be going like that offense didn't really take a hit, um, I'm just not interested there. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm like I've said, if I don't get – you know, Kittle, Kelsey, or Andrews um, earlier in the draft, which I probably won't most times because that's not really my, my thing. But, um, you know, I'm just going to be waiting on guys like 
Hayden Hurst and Johnny Smith and Blake Jarwin and, you know, just taking my shots later because it's much easier to stream tight end than it is to have holes at running back and receiver when you take guys in that range. I agree. And, and to the point of Darren Waller, a lot of people are going to look at Darren Waller last year and realize, and see that he was a target monster. 170, 17 targets, uh, 24th in targets per game, um, which, is, which is really high. He's third highest in, of all tight ends in targets per game. The, the problem is I don't think he'll reach that target amount this year. No. Not with the the addition of Henry Ruggs, the addition of Brian Edwards, the, the Hunter addition. Hunter Renfro should. Oh, you know, well, everybody's and, expecting him I to I mean, this obviously the biggest reason Darren Waller won't get there is because Jason Witten. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if Jason Witten catches 25 passes this year. Yeah, no, no I, I – uh, I, the other the other part of Darren Waller that me and you have talked about, and, and me and you have discussed this, and that's that you expect positive regression in the touchdown department for Darren Waller. I think he had three touchdowns last year. Yeah. However, statistically, I don't know that that, that is true. He finished 48th in red zone targets. He, he wasn't a high, highly targeted in the red zone, and I don't know that that changes. When, it, when you see positive regression in the touchdown department – Particularly, it, you look at the red zone looks, and, and normally they have a, a high red zone target or red zone opportunity cost, but a, a low efficiency rate. With, with Darren Waller, he had a low efficiency, low efficiency rate and a pretty low opportunity cost there, or, or you know, a number of opportunities in, in the red zone. So I, I don't know that Darren Waller is going to have any chance to return to what he was last year. And he was a great steal. He was a guy that I, I had in a couple leagues, and it worked out great for me. And, and to me, Darren Waller is a one of those guys who, hey, I got him. He was great for me this year. Now I look for the next Darren Waller. Yeah, don't, don't chase last year's production. Right, and, and like to that. me, that's like guys you mentioned, Hayden Hurst, Jonu Smith, uh, you mentioned another guy. I mean, um, Austin Hooper would fall into the category of guys that I probably won't end up with because he's coming off a great year. And and, and I, I to the point of Hayden Hurst, I don't. I've never watched Austin Hooper and said this guy's incredibly talented. I've watched Austin Hooper and said the Falcons like to throw the ball to their tight end, and I think that's the case. And and Hayden Hurst to me is more talented than Austin Hooper. To me, Hayden Hurst is a guy who who could potentially in that Falcons offense be a two, three-year guy in the top five tight ends. Um, so I, to, me, to me, Hayden Hurst is my number one uh, tight end that I want to draft at his position. Mm-hmm. He's in my number one target. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think Darren Waller right there, you know, like you said, there's so many other holes that can be filled in rounds five and six uh, that I would rather, I'd rather look to those positions than chase one of these tight ends with the bigger name. Uh, who who really the the reason they're ranked that high is because they were drafted late last year and, and succeeded and and that seems to be the besides the top three that you talked about that seems to be the recipes of for success at the tight end position. We didn't mention any quarterbacks on this uh, on this podcast here today. I think we both would agree that really and truly just stick to the the late round QB uh, oh, yeah. model in, in standard redraft uh, format leagues. I mean, so any of these quarterbacks that that are listed in the top, I don't know. Six rounds, uh, unless you see one of those guys drop, one of the big guys drop, like Jackson or Mahomes. If you yeah, if you get you know Mahomes or Jackson in the middle of the third or late third or something, then I can see it. Um, but that's not. I still that's too that's still too uh, too expensive for my taste. Yeah, but there there you know with quarterbacks, just one of those things that it's kind of a standard 
uh, for us anyway, that, that we don't take quarterbacks you know, early. We're going to wait and fill our, our roster. And then same concept as tight ends. We can stream them uh, later. And, and there's a lot of late options this year that, that I love. So. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for joining us here on the Wash Up Has Been's podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, send us any mailbag questions you might have. We're going to be with you every Tuesday. If you didn't check out last week's episode, it was on a Thursday. We discussed rookies in Dynasty Leagues and where we had them ranked top five for each position. So go give that a look. Uh, some really interesting stuff on there, especially regarding Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Zach Moss. That running back position got really interesting last week. <laughs> so go check it out. Uh, let us know. Give us your feedback. And uh, it's a pleasure being with you guys again on this, this Tuesday. Tyler, any, any last thoughts? Nope, nope. Just looking forward to the season. Hope that it can happen. <laughs> yeah, keep, uh, keep the NFL in your prayers, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good night.